Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Our news team has fanned out across the region to cover what you need to know about St. Louis in the St. Louis All Local. Today is Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Michael Calhoun. Our top local story... The the likelihood of those ever firing back up are just not good at all. Granite City Mayor Mike Parkinson reacting to Tuesday's warn notices that went out to employees at Granite City Steel. He estimates that another 200 workers could be without a job. A thousand are getting those warn notices. Mayor Parkinson tells the Chris and Amy show he expects A and B blast furnaces will both be shut down for good. B was already idled. They're still in talks with trying to the plant and they're also still in talks with the company across the street trying to get them to, to purchase that part that portion of it and make the pellets for the um, pig iron so i mean there is some still some hope on that end of it usw local 1899 president dan simmons told kmox on tuesday u.s steel sent out the warren notices to cover themselves and said he was not told about new layoffs parkinson says they are trying to do a redevelopment plan to get the unemployed workers into swift get some some retraining we're hoping to get with an investor to start a new manufacturing plant here in Granite and get these guys retrained and, and make them the priority. Maria Aquino, KMOX News. BJC Health System of St. Louis has announced it will combine services with St. Luke's Health Systems in Kansas City. The move will create a mammoth cross-state health care system with 28 hospitals and hundreds of clinics. Under the deal, St. Luke's of Kansas City will fold into BJC, but each health system will keep its branding in their half of the state. While BJC President and CEO Richard Likewig will serve as CEO of the Integrated Health System. He says the move will extend their shared commitment to deliver high-quality, affordable patient care to the communities they serve across Missouri, southern Illinois, and eastern Kansas. The transaction is expected to close January 1st. Fred Bottomer, KMOX News. Get ready for another local company to go through what's called a blockbuster merger. The Wall Street Journal reports Cigna, which owns St. Louis County-based Express Scripts, is in talks with Humana for a stock and cash deal. The two together would rival the size of CVS Health, which owns Aetna and United Health Group. St. Louis's executive branch initially took full responsibility for missing a deadline to execute paperwork regarding the marijuana sales tax passed in April. But today, Operations Director Nancy Cross told the Board of Aldermen they should share some of the responsibility too, saying aldermen should have foreseen the confusion this time and unlike with previous ballot measures should have written into this legislation who was supposed to submit that paperwork with the Department of Revenue. Since it just says official governing body or official of such tax entity it leaves it open to interpretation. Some members of the Board of Aldermen pushed back on the suggestion that the board tell the executive branch who should communicate with the Department of Revenue. Appeals will be heard in a case that could cost St. Louis City tens of millions of dollars. Mark Milton represents the individuals who won a tax lawsuit after they were denied being refunded the city's earning tax following working remotely outside the city during COVID. They're appealing the decision that a class action suit cannot be brought. Milton called that ruling ridiculous. I mean, the reason we have class action under Missouri rules is to avoid a situation where you literally have 100,000 people filing individual lawsuits. Milton says the city is relying on case law that says you can't get a class action lawsuit status on a tax refund case. The city is appealing the ruling that they owe refunds to those individuals during the same hearing. The hearing was scheduled for December 5th, but has now been moved to February without explanation. Sean Malone, KMOX News. 
We're digging deeper into the numbers after Metro's latest quarterly report found an increase in crime on the train so far this year. Crime is up nearly 40% through the third quarter over last year. Security manager Kevin Scott says they're trying to be proactive, including the installation of new fencing and gates at stations. We are never going to um, be shy about being proactive and dealing with the, the true nature of what impacts Metro Transit. Meantime, at today's Bi-State Development meeting, board members approved $390 million to purchase 55 new light rail vehicles from Siemens. Much of Metrolink's fleet is past the 25-year service life, and some vehicles have passed 2 million miles. Crime rates in downtown St. Louis have dramatically dropped after the St. Louis Police Department received a donation of nearly a million dollars to increase police presence in the neighborhood. But Dr. Kelsey Cundiff, assistant professor of criminology at UMSL, says police presence is not likely the cause of the drop. A lot of policing is more reactive than it is proactive. So the odds that a police officer is driving by or walking by and just happens upon a crime in commission pretty low. Cundiff says having more officers around could deter crime, but it isn't the sole cause for the decline. She says economic conditions, trust in police, and other factors also play a role. Doing things that can address what people's lives are actually like, their experiences, and funneling resources in a way to sort of alleviate kind of the, you know, social pressures and things, economic pressures. Um, that might make committing a crime seem like a, a more appealing option. The KMOX Business Desk, if you have someone on your shopping list that has it all and you're racking your brain of what to get, think red. Martin Coco, St. Louis Cardinals Director of Marketing, tells us there's a deal for every fan. You purchase a ticket pack, but uh, these are spread out throughout the season. We have 10-game packs and 5-game packs that are sort of built around our, our most popular promotional date. So Coco says it's the kind of gift that keeps giving because the gift is spread throughout the baseball season. As we continue on KMOX, it's a new era for the Cortex Innovation Community, sparked by a $7 million investment from the state of Missouri to focus on training for tech talent. And joining us right now is the president and CEO of Cortex, Sam Fiorello, and also someone who knows all about these programs and the benefits they can give, Jasmine Owens. Thank you both for being here with us. Thank you, Michael. So, Sam, yeah, first of all, tell us about the $7 million from the state of Missouri. Tell us about these programs. And and really, this seems like it's Cortex moving from, uh, we know it is a, a real estate district, but uh, it seems like this is more of a holistic approach to making sure that tech firms have everything that they need. Yeah, Michael, thank you. And and it it is definitely a, um, it's an and. Cortex has had 20 incredible years of success and normal metrics is millions of square feet built. Um, but one of the things that we realized, and, and especially during the time we had to think about the future, the next decade during the pandemic is the currency for a tech economy is tech talent. Today, there are thousands of unfilled jobs, cybersecurity jobs in our MSA. And if you broaden it to just general tech jobs, it's tens of thousands. And in order to thrive, and Cortex's core mission is to help the region thrive, an equitable um, economic impact for the region, it's we're going to have to have availability of talent that's trained in a way that they can add value and help make our economy thrive and vibrant. And so that's why Cortex said we're going to um, help focus on this and help drive it for our region. And um, we're thrilled that this this $7 million from the state is an incredible investment and will help us to work with our partners to build a model that works and then scale it across the region and then the state. 
Yeah, so Sam, tell us a little bit more about the the organizations you're partnering with, the uh, you know curriculum, I suppose, the the, the approach, um, how this will manifest itself in uh, in programs that people can access. Yeah. So first thing, Michael, is to know that Cortex, everything Cortex does is in partnership, right? Our team here is under twenty, so we aren't a large company that does training of individuals to prepare them for a tech career. We're not a large regional employer. Um, but what we do do is we find the best in class partners. We help to um, put those partners together to create an ecosystem in which the whole is worth more than the sum of the parts. We have great access to the employers, the demand side. We've put together a, a team of trainers like CyberUp and Perscolis and NPower and a number of others who this is what they do and they're really good at it. And um, what we uh, aspire to do is to be purposeful and to mine and upskill underutilized regional talent. So Jasmine, from your perspective, uh, what programs did you go through? And first of all, just what was the experience like? Because I think for a lot of people, the prospect of learning a new skill, getting into a new industry, that can be really intimidating. Oh, it is. Um, I went through CyberUp, um, formerly known as Midwest Cyber Center. So actually, I watched um, the Microsoft building 4240 or 20 um, being built. Um, so I was watching Cortex in this development when this was happening, when I got intrigued by cybersecurity, um, working at Washington University School of Medicine. I kept hearing um, how you're protecting our data as we use moving patient medical records into um, the online web, you know, those patient portals that we use consistently on today. And so that was my um, bit into cyber. Of course, it was scary. I was working full time, um, but I wanted it so bad that uh, CyberUp has some requirements and challenges um, that was like you had to be 18, 25. I was too old. You had to make a certain amount of money, make just a tad bit too much. But I wanted to get into the programs so badly that I tested anyway, took the assessment test. I scored the appropriate scores. And out of 300, I made the top 25. And out of the top 25, I became the overseer of the apprenticeship program as my apprenticeship program. So it has been a journey. It's been challenging. It's been rewarding. I tell most students that are interested in getting to the field, know your why, um, because your why is going to keep you when those obstacles of life keeps throwing things up in your face. Um, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you're going to be in spaces where you don't know everything. You don't see people that look like you, but you're supposed to be here. And as long as you have the hunger and the passion to do so, you'll make it into this field. And Jasmine, uh, you know, people may think of uh, cybersecurity as, okay, I'm working, uh, you know, for uh, some sort of a government agency or, you know, something like that. But you're talking about medicine. We've heard about uh, hospitals being hacked in different parts of the country, patient records being at risk. Really, mm -hmm. every industry, that's just one example, mm -hmm. every industry is a tech industry or has tech needs and uh, is probably not even... Uh, uh, really as prepared as they should be. And so they're looking for who can we hire? Who can we get in here? There's got to be a lot of demand for this. I think I heard today there's over 700,000 positions in the United States open for cybersecurity. And cybersecurity touches your mom and pop store all the way up to your DOD. So it is a necessity in schools. It's a necessity in law, your local law enforcement. It's a necessity in those small chain businesses to the large chain. We all need it. And 
we all need an avenue to get there. It's not just a four-year degree program that could be the only source. We need these non-traditional pathways like CyberUp, Empower Launch Co., per scholars training students and giving the employers the other options of like career changers such as myself change careers because I found my passion and what I wanted to do. Give them the opportunity to get into the field and diversifying their pipeline that way as well. Well, Sam Fiorello, the president and CEO of the Cortex Innovation Community, and Jasmine Owens telling us about going through these training programs, the success they can have. Thank you both so much for joining us here on KMOX. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe, stay up to date. Just search for St. Louis All Local on your favorite podcast app from KMOX. KMOX.